goddamn creatures in the night. They never learn. Hey! Hey! Suddenly, I heard a podcast as of someone podcasting at my chamber door. What are you doing, man? You heard me. Podcasting. Right? You're trespassing. And you owe me a fucking new door. I'm looking for something in 80s and 90s film review. You're looking for a coroner. Shit for brains. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We are the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding and rebooting movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we are bringing back, from the 90s dead, The Crow. Oof, too soon. I know, I when I said it, I was like, that's maybe not the prop, but I said it, so. <laughs> Just giving you crap anyway. <laughs> I know. For as much as I do like this movie, I also feel bad for the fact that this is Brandon Lee's last movie, Opus. This is what we all remember him well, for. Yeah, it was, to be it was his first breakout role. Like it was his big Hollywood shot, and that was it. <sighs> what is our memories of this movie from when we were younger? My first viewing of this movie is maybe about ten years ago, and I just remember being in that Nine Inch Nails phase and like everybody telling me how good this movie was and dark and foreboding, and I, I watched it and just loved it. Absolutely loved everything about it, and I was just like, "Wow, this is this is one of those movies that not everybody's seen, but I saw it." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's really only my memory of it. Yeah, I was in high school, and that was the last time I watched it. Like soft sophomore junior year of high school just a group of theater kids decided we were going to watch a movie and this is what it ended up being <laughs> i couldn't hear ken so i must have missed something <laughs> it, it, no no i couldn't yeah i can't i can't hear ken at all now i'm not really saying anything though well, I must—I obviously must have missed something because I could see you guys talking, but couldn't hear anything. Oh no, I've just been laughing, just uncontrollably laughing. <laughs> and this, uh, this is what it was. <laughs> oh man, that's great. I didn't see this movie until mid uh, mid twenties, I think. And to be honest with you, when I watched it the first time, I was uh, pretty bored with it because you know the crow is just too powerful. He kills too many things and takes too many shots. And you can't really do anything to him. That means there's no stakes. So he uh, really uh, is just out there killing things. And uh, don't really remember enjoying it all that much. Just mostly being bored. How about you, Joe? What do you What do you think? What well, do you remember? I'm going to agree with you on one thing. There are zero stakes in this movie. No one eats steak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one for me. For me, every time I watch this movie, I like it less. And it makes me not want to watch the movie because I know that by watching it, it's going to just detract a little bit more each time. Before we continue down that route, I'll just fill in my uh, memory bit here too. This came out in 94, and that was a 
huge year for movies. There was a lot of movies that came out that year. So this was one of the underdog, I think, mo movies of that year. And it was one of the ones I actually saw in the theater. And fairly defined, I think, the whole idea of the 90s Gen X uh, youth culture of the time it kind of was really attached to the nihilism of that setting and yeah just went down the rabbit hole with this back then and it's not the same world that we live in anymore it's not the same society same type of um, feeling that even the gen x people are living in anymore so it doesn't really culturally speak like it did to the youth back then and i think this is it's a hard like andy said it's every time you go back to it i mean he says he likes it less i still kind of like it every time i think but that's also nostalgia pe peeking through on me because of how attached i was to that whole gen x nihilism culture that came about in the 90s yeah I, th I think that's a really good way to put it joe it really just doesn't feel like you said kind of like we're in the same mood slash mindset that this film was when it first came out so Oh, yeah, yeah. The world's definitely in a different yeah, place. Yeah, and I think maybe that lends a hand as to why I kind of feel a little bit less each time I watch this movie, because we're getting further and further away from that. And the further we get away from that, it's it's pretty much just propped up on nostalgia, like you said. I can agree. And I don't want to give away our end verdict up front. <laughs> sure, yeah, I agree. So let's uh, talk about the trailer. Did everyone watch the trailer? I forgot. Certainly. <laughs> Ken, can you? No, it was me. Oh, it was you this time? I, I'm so sorry. Oh, see, this I'm time. I'm so oh. sorry. I forgot. Uh, to be honest, I don't think you really missed much by not seeing the trailer. I figured it was no, going to be a fact... lot of like grunge music and just darkness. Uh, it, it uh, no, it's not, not even grunge music. Oh, okay, it's okay. like it's classic, classical music, basically. It's it's a soundtrack for some from something else. Wow, shows shows me for reading a book by its cover. All right. It's a classic movie trailer where they put together a whole bunch of different clips from that the movie. That kind of makes sense. Uh, some of the artistic things, some of the action scenes, and they don't really give anything away, which is great. They do give you, like, the overarching, uh, he comes back because a crow says come back, and then he's <laughs> out for revenge type thing. But ultimately, Can't say no to the crow. Ultimately, it's a, it's a good way to ramp you up to go watch the crow, and uh, I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a pretty good I trailer. feel like the movie... Or in the movie. The trailer made the movie out to be more like a superhero film. But, hmm. Dan, it was based on a comic book. Obviously, it's a superhero film. And that's that's kind of how the 90s were. Anything made in the 90s based off of a comic book. They made damn well sure you knew it was from a comic. I'm glad they didn't give it the comic <laughs> book treatment, though. 90s comic book treatments were not good. No, they were not. No. No, they were not. Yeah, this is... It, it it it's detracted from comic books. I feel this was not treated like a comic book movie, no. in my opinion. It, just don't get me wrong. I I love the Batman movies from the nineties. Uh, I'm not talking about the early ones where they got the Michael Keatons. Those ones are okay. I I love the George Clooney's and the Val Kilmer ones. They're oh, so no. bad. Oh no. <laughs> the, the true comic book feel to it, but this is uh this one's more of the uh, Penguin feel to it with the darker, grittier feel to it, but then much darker because it's much more violent and uh, you know almost 
fits the comic book treatments we're given today, although maybe on the DC side. Sure. I, I feel like it's a precursor to the feeling of like what the Dark Knight had when it first started. Yeah. Like darker, yeah, grittier. Sure. There's actual people dying and stuff like that. And Well, let me think about that. Did anyone really die in the Dark Knight? I don't kill people. Uh, yeah, the... the uh, I, I can't remember their, their elected positions within Gotham, but uh, there was definitely a car bomb that killed a judge and a couple other things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. They were like tertiary or quaternary characters that died. Hey, hey, were hey! There Dan said it better bodies. than I could. I was hey. like, "Those are people that don't Two Face dies." <laughs> and and come Whoa. on, and come on, and come on. That was May- the Dark Knight too. What about the first one? Wait, the Dark with the Scarecrow. The Dark Knight. Okay. That's what I was the talking about. The first fight. one. That's Batman Begins. Uh, that's not the Dark Knight. That's <laughs> where it starts. That's why. That's why I was confused. You guys are talking about the Dark Knight, not Batman Begins. But isn't it called the Dark Knight series or something? It is, but it's not called the Batman Begins. But, series. but you got a preface because there is a movie called The Dark Knight, and that's what Bruce we were Wayne talking. Must about. have killed somebody when he took out <laughs> Kung Fu training place. Oh yeah, tons of people. But uh, you you also have to uh, throw it in that technically Raja Ghoul dies, but does Raja Ghoul really ever die? No spoilers, exactly. you jackass. He comes back as a woman <laughs> in the third movie. <laughs> Dan's got you there. Yeah, he does. He does. I refuse to feel bad about spoiling any movies when I haven't seen so many movies and people feel free to spoil them for me. I don't care. If I've seen a movie, we're probably spoiling movies it. all over the place for you then. Oh, yeah, that's fine. If I really care, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll shut my ears off. All right. <laughs> we need someone to pitch this movie. Oh, forgot. To yeah, I kind of didn't sure, do one I guess. Those either. No? I could do it. Let's Let's see the pants this one. There we go. I, w- I was going to elect Dan to do it, so Sounds I want to hear Dan yeah, do it. Yeah, it's been a while since Dan's okay. come Okay. Let me, let me just <laughs> limber up here a little bit. Uh, okay. So, so, we got we got Brandon Lee, right? 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 Yeah. Okay. Big actor. Big yeah. game actor. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, what, yeah, if, what if we kill him? All right. Dan's done. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> you want us to film that? Not actually kill him. We're just going to oh, goodness. kill okay, good. that, his that character. <laughs> just and then his character is going to come back and avenge his death. Huh? 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 How's that different than any other uh, movie, okay. I guess? But he's he's unkillable as, as when he comes back. Okay. Because, well, because have, uh... he's got a friend who's a crow. How does like, that make him unkillable? Yes. Uh, like a like a like a crow man thing? No, or? no, 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 no. He's a man the crow. who who has a friend that is an animal. The crow man. That is a crow. Man. Okay. And the movie's called uh, The Crow. Man. Bit on the nose there, yes. huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Eh? I mean, there's not really much to say about the movie. We got grunginess, we have a crow familiar, and we have straight up murder, which is pretty much the movie, and then you got a couple of really cool side characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie sticks really to the base level revenge story. It doesn't really try to detract with any high level storytelling, and I think, in my opinion, that's an advantage to it. Yeah. If you've yeah. read any of the canon comic, the movie is a puddle in in the way of depth. 
And that's usually how they go. They usually try to do too much in a movie to cover a comic franchise, or they do too little. I don't know if they did too little. It's just in comparison. Yeah. Because the movie is... It's not... Sh- it's not particularly shallow no no definitely not it's just like they're really setting up the character that probably not a lot of people knew about outside of the core fan base to really kind of show you what he's all about whereas the crow 2 probably would have been more in line with what we'd expect to see and it'd have a lot more to go for it but i think the i think the best like opposite of this would be probably the dark tower where they try to do too much in a movie Ugh. and they try to really shoehorn too much of the character into the movie i'm not bitter but... about that i'm not bitter about that i'm not bitter about that no I'm not, no not, I'm not at bitter. all not bitter i'm not bitter i'm not bitter all right if we're talking about opposites the opposite of the dark tower is obviously the stupid uh the hobbit uh, yep hobbit movies. <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> but yeah this is good skin scraping of uh representation of the movie yeah. Or comic books. I don't know. I haven't read the comic books, but it definitely seems like there's something else there. I had once heard that there's more to him coming back and sticking around, and I forgot to look it up. There was a TV series at one point. I could have sworn. There yeah, is a TV what? series. There Four are movies? two other movies. Two other? I thought there were three others. Oh. I thought uh, there was well, only there's, two. there's Crow, which I don't know if it's the same, like if they were trying to reboot the Crow because it came out at this point three years ago, and I didn't see oh, it, God. but the the font the crow for, stairway to for Crow is exactly <laughs> the same as the Crow it is. movies. So it is. I don't... It's the Crow stairway to heaven. Apparently that was a show. <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> they've been kicking this IP around for, the, for a few years here. I haven't seen any of the subsequent Crow stuff except for... City of Angels? Yeah, I've, I found mm-hmm. out, I was like, oh, they're losing their way, so... yeah. That's well, I just... guess what they're trying... What I heard that they were trying to do with that one specifically is try to... They tried to distance it and reorganize it as much as they could to not make it look like a direct sequel to the original, just out of respect for Brandon. But then I heard at the last minute, the studio intervened and basically added a bunch of cuts and re-edits to the movie to make it seem as identical to The Crow as possible in terms of theme and style, which completely went against, uh, I think it was, I want to say David S. Goyer was brought on to write the second one. Yeah, David S. Goyer. Uh, So basically those folks who worked on the movie renounced the movie after the studio made edits to it because it's not what they set out to make. So out of respect, they're trying not to basically be like, oh, well, we lost Brandon in the first one. Let's keep going. They wanted to make it as different as possible, but the studio took hold of it, and then it kind of went that way for the next three movies. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember if it's the third Crow movie or the fourth Crow movie, because there was Salvation and then Wicked Prayer. But <laughs> there was one of them where he was in prison or some shit, and he gets electrocuted, and a lightning bolt hits his electric chair or some shit like that, and brings him back to life. I can't remember. How wow. It goes, but it's bad. It's it's really bad. Ugh. One shock dead, two shocks alive again. Yeah, here we go. It's, it's, it's actually the third one. So it's the third movie. It's uh, Salvation. He is sentenced to death in an electric chair. When he's asked for his last words, he says he still loves Lauren, but that he's innocent. During the electrocution, a lightning strike hits the generator, overloading it with electricity, and he suffers excruciating pain. And has a death. short circuit. <laughs> exactly. He still gets resurrected by a mystical crow, but just what the hell. I feel like this series really just shit the bed after the first one. And it's not anybody's fault. 
it's just it really shit the bed after that first movie. <laughs> I I think it's because everybody but the like higher ups were trying to avoid sullying Brandon's name. Because I mean, honestly, that's that's the first thing I would say I love about this movie is his performance, hands down. It is everything that still brings me back to watch this movie because let's face it, he was the Joker before Heath Ledger was the Joker. He had that manic style to it. He had that funniness to it. I I can absolutely see him pulling elements of that from, from Brandon Lee's performance. And Brandon Lee was just an all around good actor in this film. Like you could see all the genius. You could see all the spark that was yet to come. That just unfortunately got snuffed out too soon. It's exactly why I watched the movie. I want to relive that because shit it's good it's really good i can forgive everything else in this movie that might not stand up to today's standards because going back and watching that guy perform it's everything that maybe fall in love with the film the first time anyways yep and i don't think it's just limited to brandon lee in this film i think the individual actors of t-bird's gang and even the uh the big bad guy uh i I can't remember what the <laughs> hell his name was. And his lady friend. He's got a name. He does have a name, it's and Jimmy. I wrote it down his somewhere. His lady friend? You, you mean his sister? Big time or something, his name. <laughs> but yeah, and his supposed sister. I mean, they maybe don't have the best characters, but they act pretty damn well. You definitely, really you definitely want to hate both characters. Like, they do a very good job of making, making you not like their characters. Oh, absolutely. Well, his name was Top Dollar. Top Dollar. I was just looking Top at that. Top Dollar. Like, what? I don't think anyone ever calls him that in the movie, though. I, I, I think never they called him Top Dog. <laughs> it might have just been a really crappy translation because the movie, uh, even the high-res version, is still pretty old-looking. Yeah, that's the style, though. And I think that's one of the things that really benefit this film. The director is the same director that made Dark City. Ah! And they Ah share those similarities. (laughs) I love that style. Thank you. While I was watching this last night, I was just like, this looks like the style of Dark City. And I... And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I wonder if that's what detracts a little bit from me. Because I, I like the movies, but it's kind of the same style. And I, 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 I feel like I'm growing out of that style a little bit more and more each year. And hearing that it's the same director just makes me, oh man, that feels good. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Dark City, even though I, I never watched it till much, much later. Oh yeah, I didn't watch it until... Uh, Probably about four years ago. That's the first time I watched it. So would it surprise you if I said I've never heard? Not of at all. Not at all. Not at all. It wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ooh, it's got a Kiefer Sutherland and a and a Jennifer Connelly. And yes, a it does. I think you would enjoy the concept of the movie and maybe not all the little things that make the movie. Anyway, we're not talking about Dark City. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about The Crow. <laughs> But yes, I, I would agree. I love the cast. The cast is great. I love Ernie Hudson. I'm glad he was in this because I feel like he should be in a lot more things. But yeah, I, I really enjoy every character in this. I thought it was a really well cast movie. I gotta say, Ernie Hudson's probably my favorite character in there just because they give him some of the best lines. They really do. They really do. He's the heart of the movie. He's he's the dad. Yeah. Yep. You know, he's looking out for everyone and casting whatever rules and stuff aside because he cares Mm -hmm. everyone else is not on that level pretty much you're supposed to stay behind me i guess i managed to mess that up yep 
Yep. Things we really liked. I mean, obviously, we're all pretty happy with uh, the performances, hands down. I have a double-edged one that's both a like and a hate, which is, like, I'm so stuck in the middle between this one, I can't pick a side. When I watch this movie, I refer to it as sets the movie, because for me, I've never seen a movie where every single minute is so obviously a freaking set. The sets are really well done, and I really like them, but the whole damn movie is a set. <laughs> it's just... And when it's not... And when, well, I mean, when it's not a set, it's a model. Yes! Like the opening scene. There's a lot of bad CGI and uh, green screening in there where you can just tell it. It just doesn't look good. Yep. But also, fits the aesthetic of the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. I mean, right. the, yeah. the fact that the special effects are rough was one of the reasons why I like this movie. Yeah. I feel like I feel like they can get away with the special effects being grungy because 90s grunge is alive and well in The Crow. Yeah, no, exactly. And I don't really feel like any of the scenes particularly detract from the movie. I don't really feel like there's any scene where it's like, oh, that looks hokey as shit. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's a weird, weird one for me because usually when I watch a movie and I can tell things are sets, it starts to wear on me and it makes me feel a little sad. But this movie, it's like 50-50. It's like... I appreciate the sets because they're so elaborately designed, but I want to make fun of them because you can tell everything's a set. But it's so well done, I can't really get any low blows in. On the same on the same note, it's all very stylized. It's each set is built to fit into that stylized artsy feel. So like when you zoom out of that really cool big circle window on a corner of a building and you zoom up and you see a speaker hanging and then up further and he's sitting up on top playing a guitar and it's like a very stylized like all the colors and everything are picked very purposely and you can tell some movies are like yeah this is stylized and you actually have to like look for the things but like this one is just definitely like it's right there it's this is the style we are going for yeah part of that everything's a set is a high control over the time period because it's never stated what time this takes place in. It's modern. So nothing in any of the sets looks too old, but nothing looks new. So you can't quite place the year the movie takes on all the action. And I appreciate that because it doesn't suddenly become an artifact of the time. Yeah, no, I can absolutely agree with that. It's it's the same reason why Futurama is still so watchable and timeless because they made fun of the fact of old technology by putting it in the show, having them use old tech. So no matter what year you watch Futurama, it, it, it always feels fresh. It doesn't feel stale. And it's it's just kind of keeping it in that little capsule and basically making it so that you can't really pick things out. If you're asking me where this, where and when this took place, I'd say a alternate dimension where it's a dystopian vampire future. <laughs> <laughs> no one's allowed to wear colors. But not future. Didn't mean to say future. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's colors <laughs> on their pants. People can wear color pants, yeah. but that's it. I don't know. Fun boy does. Fun boy wears colored pants, and then some random goon in the uh, big meeting of goons had polka dot pants, like white pants with big polka dots on them, all colors. Huh. Anytime else there was a color, it was just a very subtle accent. The primary colors of this movie, imagine that, are black, gray, brown, and red. And then maybe a deep, deep red. That's an almost brown red. Crazy blood. And whenever Bailey decides to paint her lips, (laughs) which is pretty much every time. They're a little bit ridiculous. But again, I think that feeds into the 90s goth slash 
I don't want to say rave culture because rave culture was a little bit different. Grunge. But it's that whole just... It's grunge. Grunge. Grunge is still more colorful than this movie, but it's a product of its time. And I think they used that color palette really well because lights ended up highlighting things. Subtle color differences highlighted things. White drew your eyes places. It was, there was a lot of technique used, even though the color palette was yeah. very drab. I mean, they went out of their way to make it drab too. Like they took the color out of the out of the rings when he was looking at them. They kind of saturated them to make them look a little bit less shiny, a little bit less gray, no less gold, more gray. They were still colored, but just a little bit less. And what rating? Uh, was that would be a hard R. Yes. It was an R. Yep. Now it should be a hard R. Now did anyone? <laughs> Did anyone really swear in this I movie? I don't recall so. There's just a lot of blood. Because one it's of my favorite... It's violent. It's Yeah, it's violent, but compared to today's standards in a PG-13 movie, it's equal or maybe less. There were some butts. It gets a little rapey <laughs> at times. Yeah, well, yes. And that's, that's the one thing where uh, my memory of the movie, I think, made it worse than what it really was. But that's also by design of how that scene is shot. They purposely don't show things, but they cut in certain ways so that you kind of are left up to fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you said that, Joe, because I remembered this movie being a little bit more graphic yeah. in that situation as well. But they definitely cut it down to a more palatable, which is cool. Because then I can enjoy the movie a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen movies where that kind of representation of reality has been too on the nose. And this, rewatching it, it was kind of relieving to see that it wasn't as graphic as other films have strayed into doing because it's unnecessary to get the point across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the point across, and then you're super okay with him going hog-to-the-wall murder on these people because they deserve it. Which I gotta say, some of those murders were uh, were pretty fun. First, he stabs somebody. With with tons of knives. uh, And he decides to stab them in every organ in alphabetical (laughs) order. Well, he doesn't know it was in alphabetical order. It could have been reverse alphabetical order. I was going to say, that's a very good crime scene investigation if you can tell which order he was stabbed in. Well, it's an alternate universe. Maybe they have that kind of skill. Yeah, maybe. And then the second guy's full of morphine to the point of Odin. Third guy's driven off of a... Pier and blown up, exploded. With an incendiary so they're all kind grenade. of uh, killed in their mo. Yeah. So the first guy's the knife guy, second guy's the drug guy, third guy's, third guy's the, the burning explosive, explosive guy. guy, fourth guy is just a uh, scam. Last guy really doesn't get the tweaker. Really doesn't get a a matching death, other than being thrown out a window. He's he's kind of the latcher on of the gang. He doesn't really... Is he the guy who threw uh, Eric Draven out the window? Did he? No, he got shot, and Is he I don't remember him, him being out the thrown out the window. The people that shot him were uh, T-Bird and... Wow, was it Tintin, Tintin that yeah. shot Tintin, him? Tintin, yep. Either way, I it's like Skank was always kind of there and wanting to be part of things, but never that fully developed. So, <laughs> so his murder is to take him out of everything? 
and throw them out a window. Yeah. Why, why not? Because that's not Skank. This is Skank. Skank's dead. And then top dollar, the sword guy gets stabbed. I don't know about everyone else. a lot else. of people that got shot. They all got shot, which with is great. With movie clip guns. I was going to say, we have our second movie uh, now with just amazing bullet capacity. Yep. <laughs> At least the guns sounded proper. Dan, our pistol and rifle expert. So we get through all the things everyone likes. Anyone else like anything else? Oh no. I liked I liked I Joe did. and then oh, Joe no. disappeared. Joe Joe, we lost Joe. And, uh, oh, no, he's back. I think Joe's back. back. Yeah, Joe's back. Yay. Okay, Joe. I, we were just trying to figure out whether or not we like anything, anything else? else from this movie. I like the music. We haven't said oh, it yet. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um Dan keeps hinting at it, but yeah. I really like this music. It fits yeah, it totally. fits my happy point quite a I bit. I have a note that in T Bird's car when Eric is like rising from the dead nirvana mm-hmm. is playing and i like i caught just a snippet of one of the lyrics i'm like god that sounds really familiar so i had to go back i went back and like tried to watch that the scene where the the music plays and i can't remember what the name of the song is now i should have wrote i should have wrote it down after i after i i did it but i'm like hey that's good <laughs> i like that because the the song is super like light like in feeling and the scene is super dark because the the gang is going and totally destroying that poor poor arcade it made me sad it was devil's night dan they had to do it not only did they burn it down but they also had to individually smash the glass on every single arcade cabinet the only thing i can imagine is they wanted to make sure those arcade cabinets were definitely dead so they <laughs> broke the glass and then they exploded the building you're like mm, nope nope that's uh that's just overkill that's just them trying yeah. to have a good time what what really did it for me was uh the nine inch nails cover of the joy division yes. song Dead souls i remember hearing that the first time i watched this movie and falling in love with it instantly and yeah it still holds up for me <laughs> i still go back and listen to that song periodically i love that song i mean they also had big empty from Stone Temple Pilots. Yep, yep. Yep. They got an award for that song, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, MTV wow. Movie Award, best song. They won for the Big Empty. Or Big Empty, not the Big Empty. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that I liked from this movie, too, is... And Andy kind of mentioned it earlier. Brandon's facial expressions and how they worked with the makeup he was wearing. Mm-hmm. It was always eyes. Everything was in the eyes. There's a couple of times where he's laughing out loud and he's got the big wide joker mouth as well. But yeah, he does a lot of eye work. And the only time I felt that he kind of didn't fulfill the full range was after he took on three hours of Ernie Hudson's character watching his wife die. Like he snaps out of it too fast for my liking, but that's just one bit in the movie. So... Yeah, eh. I, I could get on board with that. Everything else, though, right key on, in my opinion. It, facial expression to express emotion along with body posture. I also made a note that Brandon does a lot of avian movements, especially when the crows are, like, nearby. His, like, movements within, within like, if, like when he's talking to Ernie in Ernie's apartment, he's got a lot of these, like, jerky, looking around with one eye kind of thing. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Huh. He's definitely not having the same kind of actions they portray him having when he was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's not 
fully human anymore. Yeah. So since we're here, the crow, we agree, brings Eric back to life, right? Yes. Now let's just say the crow gets injured, not Eric. The crow gets injured and he loses his supernatural healing ability. How much longer does he get to live? Well, according to the movie, he didn't last too much longer. Not too much longer. They didn't have to address it because they went ahead and shot him. (laughs) Um, And that'll usually... Usually, uh, speed things sure, up but he was quickly, also but... shot in the shoulder, which isn't typically a mortal yeah, it's a wound. Lot of blood loss. It will take you down. So I wanted to make sure I knew this before I said anything, so I didn't sound like an idiot, and I was pretty close, but here we go. The crow, because I know I've looked this up in the past, the crow acts as a living vessel for Eric's soul and is his guide on Labyrinthine World of Post Modem Vengeance. A.K.A. The crow is what guides him out of the grave. The crow is what guides him to the boots. The crow is what guides him to each person that he has to basically get revenge for. So, yeah, I mean, if the crow does die, I believe he would lose his regenerative properties, and then in terms of how long he has to live, even though he's dead, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been able to find anything really definitive on that but I, in my I mean, opinion it is they show it that he just slips away yeah i mean it's 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 probably not gonna be instantaneous but it's definitely gonna happen one other uh acting point that i really want to point out is t-birds i i think of it as his death speech just when he realizes who eric is and then can't form real sentences anymore and just breaks down into you can't be you you're dead we killed you yeah you can't come back and his face and everything it's a it's a perfect form of terror yeah everything up until he starts repeating that line from the book that he read when they were assaulting everybody in the uh, loft all the way up to that point it was really good and then it felt like oh now he's reciting lines again but Man, that scene, I, I don't remember it sticking out that hard to me before. And this time around, I'm like, damn, dude, that guy nailed it. Yeah, yep. I fully agree. It's, I agree. It's kind of interesting because oh, sure. when the movie started, I remembered his character, remembered how he acted, and I, I couldn't get into it. And I was just like, oh, God, that guy. Because I just felt like he was too over the top and ridiculous. But then it got to that scene, and it's just like, holy shit, that's right. Like, that scene does nail exactly what needs to be done, like you said. And it it's definitely redeeming for him and his acting abilities for me and i also have to say that sometimes our the characters we hate the most or dislike it's because of their their acting that well and i <laughs> tintin is you know whatever it's tintin but he's that way because the actor is playing such a shitbag the whole time mm-hmm. same thing with fun boy same thing with skank i mean like these aren't characters that you remember for years and years, but you go back and you watch them and you're like, God, these, oh, these are all assholes. Guy. These are all idiots, but they do this terrible stuff every year and they get paid to do it. But the actors that portrayed it did such a good job to portray that shitty of human beings. Yeah. No, for I, Yeah. <laughs> and I did find the one swear word, the caw caw bang fuck I'm dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the swear word. Well, I'm glad there's one. Otherwise, it's just goddamn and yeah, what the crap. The, yeah. Otherwise, it's stabbing people and pulling nah, eyes nah, out. No, no, no. The, uh, the, the pawn shop guy says shit on oh, me. Oh, that's, oh, right. that's right. He yeah. does yeah. say that. As he's jumping over the counter. Yeah, shit on me. 
I was like, this guy's really got a thing. <laughs> that guy was an idiot, though. I mean, he's he sees the crow regenerate right in front of him and then goes, you'll be dead, dude. They'll turn you into grease paint. It's like, you just shot him and he survived. What makes you think that other guys' guns are going to do any better? I mean, the guy's just got a, uh, too much pride in him because he goes up and talks to Top Money and really uh, talks to Top Money in a way that most people wouldn't talk to their to people they know yeah like yeah look at me i'm such a badass and then he gets stabbed because he doesn't know how to shut his mouth see you make it sound so nice that he was stabbed it's a saber through his neck all the way to the hilt that's a little bit more than Uh, stabbing leaving him pinned to the chair and gurgling (laughs) yep and then telling him to die faster <laughs> you are you you displease me. Die quicker, please. Which that transitions me into some of the things that I don't think really work for this movie. And that will be big money, big time, top top dollar uh his fascination with swords. Now, in the 90s, this was totally in. Everybody had a thing for swords back then and swords were freaking cool. I, you can say whether or not they're freaking cool now or not it's up for debate but back then that was a cool ass thing now no i agree now it is definitely <laughs> i'm not. sitting i'm sitting wondering why he's continually using swords in situations where he could have so much better weapons to be using other than looking cool it's all about those cool that cool factor plus when you spend that much money on a sword you better damn well use it yeah yeah is that because Top Dollar used a bunch of swords in the comic? There, Maybe? It's got to be tied to the comic. I've never read it, so I can't speak I'm to if, it. I'm seeing if there's a wiki on it. All that I've seen is I watched... Uh, so I have the Miramax Dimensions Collector Series DVD of Ooh. The Crow, which comes with two discs. And on the second disc... There is an interview with James O'Barr, the guy who did the comics. And all that I really know of the comics is that the the character, the crow, had a mullet. And they definitely did not add that to the movie. But that guy, J- James O'Barr, definitely can do cyberpunk style. That's, that's that man's style. Cyberpunk? Yeah. Are we doing cyberpunk now? This isn't cyberpunk, but okay. his his comic style is in line with ah, okay. the cyberpunk tabletop uh, game, the player's book, and stuff like that. 80s punk in the future. Come on. Where'd everybody go? We're here. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to see if there's any other like sword references in comics, and I, I would have to spend more time researching online. Oh, I can't see anything relatively quickly. It's, Did we lose Andy? Oh, really no, not. we didn't lose Andy. Yay! This sort of thing's not that really big of a deal. We just, they're swords. This movie it's weird. didn't do anything egregious that would warrant us having to say more. Yeah, I mean, he really gets his revenge beyond this movie. He would really just kind of become a, I don't know, a vigilante per se. I, I, I don't know. Like, this is just clear cut and dry revenge tale, even in the way he is brought back to life. That's why he's brought back to life. <laughs> So, outside him getting his revenge on the main characters, I, I don't see there to be a need for a sequel. Yeah, the way that the movie's built, it was definitely not built to make another one. It's just, oh, this was successful, let's make another one. Exactly. Sigh. Well, when you get a bird bringing somebody back to life, 
you got yourself a self-contained story. So even though you kill everybody in this story, you can still have future story because there's still birds out there. <laughs> Bringing people back to life, those assholes. And they can have their own little self-contained adventure. <laughs> However, do they all have to be bloody revenge to... adventures? I mean, they don't have to be. You can go down some weird, uh, weird paths. Okay. I'm not quite sure what kind of path a crew would bring people back. Well, according to the lore or... from the opening voiceover of the movie, it seems to be that it's like purely revenge based. Oh, sure. You want to use facts and not speculate. <laughs> He is so upset that he didn't get to go to the final Grateful Dead concert. He's going to come back via Crow to go to a uh, Grateful Dead cover band concert. That doesn't seem cool. Oh, nope, nope. I'm fairly certain this is uh, only a revenge vehicle, and that's fine. It's I've seen Crows. They're really about revenge. Sure. You know what else is also about revenge? Apparently, Edgar Allan Poe in The Raven. Oh, yeah. Where he quotes The Raven. And he's like, yeah, you're going for a bird, but that's not exactly uh, what's going on here. That's a crow. Yeah. And corny, Crows in my opinion. Crows aren't the same. They're close. But ultimately, they're trying to, you know, claim uh, Edgar Allan Poe is the gothic hero, which people consider him to be kind of a dark writer. So it does fit the aesthetic as well. But they're going with all the... All those things. It wasn't always dark. It just took his, what is it, a cousin wife dying? <laughs> it was a, his cousin, right? Not anything closer, right? Yeah, I think it was cousin. Um, yeah, let's go okay. with cousin. I, I don't actually know. Uh-oh. What I do know is all of it, the, the popular stories yeah. by Edgar Allan Poe are a little bit darker than, yeah. than light. Yep, it was his cousin. Okay, good. Whew. Uh yeah, every I think a lot of things that if people would watch this movie today that they would find fault in are typically going to be technical things. The composite shots not looking great. It's a model, and matching things to models didn't look always great. And I I think that's kind of unfair to a film because it's. It's part of the style when from beginning to end they stick with it and that shouldn't be a deficit. But a lot of people, you know, it, it's the same with video games. Oh, if the graphics aren't cool, why should I play it? Um, Because it's a good game. Same thing like with this movie. I think a lot of people would be very surfacey with it today instead of just moving past the uh, low budget uh, effects. Yeah, I'd agree. It'd be mostly superficial. There, there'd also be. That's all, all superficial things for the the things that I have as negative notes. Oh, same here. I don't have yeah. anything really I mean, meaningful. This, and there, yeah, there's just there's nothing really meaningful to rip apart on, uh, about on this movie. You got technical stuff. You got the weird swords, <laughs> which <laughs> it's what he does, I, I guess. Yeah. And then you got some music you might not like. I don't see anything else really able to be complained about this it's a base level story revenge he gets revenge movies done uh they don't fart around with the police force they they have that little mini side story about ernie hudson's character getting uh taken down from being a detective to a beat cop but to be honest they don't really dwell on it enough to make that a detractor so 
there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, no, it's just something to keep uh, the plot Ernie moving Hudson along and relevant yeah, keeping and him relevant. Making sure that you know that he's on the side of doing good, what he feels is right versus what the police force says he should be doing because, I mean, I don't know why the police force is uh, taking the side of top money all the time, but you start doing uh, investigations into somebody who dies and all of a sudden you're getting canned. That's uh, that's bad police work. <laughs> yeah, it kind of contradicts everything, doesn't it? It's also weird that the detective on the case has enough power to put somebody on suspension. I don't know of the dynamics of a police force, but I feel like that's not a detective's job. Yeah, I think it just goes back to comic book. They didn't want to introduce more characters, so they just decided to, here's oh, yeah. the bad cop. This is yeah. the guy who's going to be a jerk to him. Yeah. Absolutely. And in my uh, two-disc uh, thing of the film... One uh, the second disc has this long interview with James O'Barr, the guy who did the comic. And if you didn't know the genesis of the Crow story, it came out of the fact that as a teenage, you know, growing up, he had a, a really tough life going through uh, being uh, adopted, being uh, going through uh, the foster care system and stuff like that, trying to find his way through being a teenager and at a certain point he found a a lady that well not a lady he was 16 so it was a girl that became his everything and before that they could get married she was killed by a drunk driver and he didn't know how to handle that and for three years he basically had a downward spiral and the only way he found to cope with that death of uh, the love of his life at that time was to make this comic. And he talked about how he expected it to, to help him get out of the dark places that he would go into. And instead, he said it didn't quite do that for him. It still helped him process. As he said, it was cheaper than going to see a therapist. But he also said that the thought of making this into that comic book would make his, you know, sadness, his anger all go away, didn't manifest. And I think that is a big part of revenge stories because, you know, Batman is the same kind of concept. Revenge just keeps going. It doesn't fulfill you. And it was, it's kind of, wounding to hear the the man say it himself and uh it it's kind of sad to hear that this film is the product of a comic book that is the product of someone who actually lost their life and i mean the movie is a product of someone who lost their life too so there's there's a lot of life loss coming out of this and it's for as good of a film from the 90s as it is there's just a lot of death, real death, along with it. Yeah. What a downer. I'm sad now, Joe. Way to go, Joe. Anyway. <laughs> Rebooting this movie, huh? Yeah. How about... So we can bring somebody back to life don't do that? via Crow. Yeah, the last I saw, Jason Momoa was brought on to play and... Eric Draven. Tom Hardy, I believe, is going to be one of the directors. However, 
I just saw on the wiki both of them have left the the project. Yeah, as of as of two me. years ago, yeah, they two both years left. ago. So, but it's still apparently on. I don't know. There's no there's no other information, yay or nay, at this point. I saw that James O'Barr is on board with rebooting it. So, at least there's that. The original creator is okay with it, and usually that's a good sign. I don't sign. know. The original creator was also okay with rebooting Hellboy, and we saw what happened with that. That was bad. <laughs> Just as a cautionary tale. I never watched the reboot, so don't, I don't know. Don't, 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 don't. Are you talking about the two army No, one? no, those those were still no, a that continuation. Was a sequel. Yeah, this, they remade it with... Uh, Oh, what Hopper? Yeah, oh, Hopper. Right. Hopper from uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I opted not to watch that yeah. one. It it looked good in the first trailer, and every other trailer that they released, going up to the release of the movie, I wanted to watch it less and less. So it sounds like you guys are not interested. I don't. In I don't think a reboot film. of The Crow is necessary. I think if somebody if somebody decides that they want to try the audience is going to feel like people are step like the, the the company that does it is stepping on Brandon's memory which they already gleefully did at least 3 times <laughs> i think we're past that point now i was say it's been 26 years it's probably okay i don't know i think in my opinion i i mean i think we're past the point of harming brandon lee's name yeah. i the people who will go see this movie don't even know who Brandon Lee is anymore. And I don't say that as in that's what's well, a good no, thing. No, it's, it's, it's just facts. It's, it's just obvious. what life and time is. You can't expect yeah. people to, from 1994 forward, you can't expect this to never be touched again because obviously somebody wants to have their hand at it. Somebody wants to try it again. Will his version of The Crow and will his version as Alex or Alec, ah, Eric always be the best in my opinion? Yeah, there's going to be some heavy bias on that, but... Uh, so far, I think he's got the best. The Who was the actor that played the crow in the TV the series? Gilbert Godfrey. You're asking the wrong guy. Oh, there. Um. Uh. For Eddie Furlong played it oh, once. No. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys know my opinion of that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of your favorite actors. <laughs> but yeah. Eric. Um, Eric Draven was played by Mark Allen. Casos, the Cascos, 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 in the sure. TV series, and I've like I I watched the TV series pretty regularly when it was when it was on TV. Was it good? It was good. I enjoyed it. Like I I had a lot of when I was watching the movie because it had been so long since I've seen the movie that I was like pulling scenes out of the TV series. I'm like, wait, this isn't the same Eric. No, oh, yeah, no, it's not going to be the same, Eric. Impossible. Yeah, well, that was the thing is that like I was, I was thinking that there was this the scene was going the scene that I had in my mind was going to happen, and then the movie ended. And I'm like, oh, was that on the, that must have been in the TV series? Because I remember what, like I said, I, I watched the TV series. That's that's not a readily. that's pretty good. So I like, mean, if you blur the lines between the two, I guess that's not bad. Can we get on board that only Eric's are allowed to come back, and only if they have revenge to take care of? Like, uh oh, we we know a few Eric's. Yeah. Oh, let's stay on their good sides. Because the, the the TV series was just an elongation of the original movie. Okay. Huh. But how? They just... Well, re- they like just, Dan they, said, this it was a puddle compared to the uh, comics, book. Yeah. So Fair. there's a okay. lot of 
lot that can be squeezed out of it, I'm sure. The series ran from, for it ran for a year, a little more, 22 episodes. Wow. That's a lot for a year. September 25th, 98 to May 22nd, 99. So a little less than a year. Yeah, that's that's before streaming when a season turned into 8 to 12 episodes. Yeah. All right. So outside of sequels, and now that we know Jason Momoa is probably not on board anymore, though I think that's not a bad decision for a Eric Draven character. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head that could play. There are so many people out there that we don't even think about that probably could do just a good job. Yeah. I don't. I'm not too worried. Like Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh, I was gonna. His say time has Godfrey. come and gone. He lost his chance to no. play this role. I was gonna say maybe Jared Leto, but eh. he'd probably end up doing something weird with it and shaving his head and giving used condoms to cast members and you know. You know. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Fun's not the right word. So in the vein of this podcast, and I'm putting my foot down because I have to remember to do this because I'm the first one to forget. Does this film hold up or is it nostalgia keeping it going? I think it still holds up. It's just unfortunate that in the passing of time, it the whole feel of the movie becomes more and more unbelievable even though when it was made and in that time frame like you said it just felt more grounded in reality but outside of that it just it still holds up it's a great movie i like it i'd say apart from the couple of negatives we listed with the technical and the things that are of its time story-wise and a bulk of the movie still does in fact hold up quite well i think the movie uh, keeps to its core message and that helps it stay relevant because it doesn't try to do much more than uh, the simple revenge story with the, you know, uh, the tweak of the coming back to life with a crow on top of it. I I think it's good. I think I like it a lot more than I normally probably would because of the nostalgia factor. But I think as a film, its style, its theme... And its simplicity and story make it a lasting movie and film that I think people can enjoy still today. Yeah. Katie had never seen it, and she she did not have any negative comments to say about it, unlike Escape from New York. If I was to watch this with Nicole, I guarantee she'd probably say it's just really dark and moody. I don't think she'd necessarily hate it. I think she'd just say it was dark and moody. She'd nail it on the head. I mean, that's, it's dark, that's, it's yeah. moody. that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not for everybody. I don't know if it would hold up the same had I not seen it when I was, you know, a moody high school theater nerd the first time. No, I agree. I I definitely feel nostalgia plays a part because the movie did play on my youthful, like I said, that Gen X nihilistic kind of mentality that was being developed in everyone at that time. And that grunge, dark, yeah, industrial music. I had Fight Club for that. I also had Fight Club. Like, I my theater friend group was well versed in movies from the late eighties and early early nineties. I had this and Donnie Darko. Yeah, Fight Club was ninety nine. No, Fight Club came out ninety nine, but still nineties movies. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely fills fills a hole of a genre mu- movie that. Sometimes you just you're in the mood for this specific thing, and it would definitely fill that hole. 
I agree. Because they do it better than Underworld or any of those other dark, weird oh, vampire style movies. God. So many of my friends love those movies, and I just never got into them. I liked the first one. I, I tried. I didn't like yeah. any of the subsequents. I honestly tried. I haven't gone back and watched it recently. I know back when I first watched it, it wasn't... Uh, it, I, I enjoyed it, but I'm sure if I were to go back and watch it now, it would be uh, less enjoyable. In fact, I think I did try watching it recently, and it just did, it was falling flat, and so I turned it off. I can't remember who I was talking to, but they said they basically broke the movie's own set up set of rules in the universe within the first like five minutes or ten minutes of the movie. I think Joe said. Was that, that you, Joe? I knew it was somebody. I just couldn't remember who. Ugh. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Gravy. All right, let's wrap this up before I lose my connection again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good movie. Let's leave it at as is. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. If if they were to make another one, I would have like I I can't I can't say I'd be on board with it right away. I'd have to see more from the production company and see what they they do with it. I get yeah, that. I agree. That was the Crow rewound and rebooted. If you like, comment, and subscribe, that helps our YouTube algorithm, and we would highly appreciate it. By the way, you can still email us at therewinderspodcast at gmail.com. I haven't mentioned that in a long time, but you can do it. (laughs) I check that email sometimes. I don't know. (laughs) And you can let us know if, if there's an 80s or 90s movie you'd like us to cover, or... An 80s or 90s movie cover that we uh, did and you do not agree with. And we will say, hmm. Mm. So if you could share this episode or others with your friends who also love 80s and 90s movies and are interested in reboots, at least for this point in time, it could help us greatly get on our feet and widen our audience. Who knows? But in the meantime, Come back in two weeks when we rewind and reboot again! I like the gravitas there. That was very good. I can't help but laugh every time you say two weeks from now on. Two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks. In two weeks when Dan watches Escape from New York again.